Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, my name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I am also a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in for a not-so-cryptic edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We at Bad Elf live our lives 60 spatial seconds at a time, and we know you do too. For this week's spatially related news, we are discussing cryptocurrencies. Wait, hold the phone. What does cryptocurrency have to do with geodesy, science, and technology? Well, good question. It has everything to do with it, in my opinion. While the world modernizes technologically and its economic superpowers continue to duel it out, a new norm of monetary exchange has emerged. Crypto. Oh, sorry Snoop Dogg, this has nothing to do with hydroponically grown plants. Cryptocurrency are digital currencies used to buy and sell goods and services. However, unlike the US dollar and other national currencies, crypto relies on blockchain technology to secure its transactions, leaving regulation difficult and the market extremely speculative. If that does not pique your interest on its own merit, let me mention a few cryptocurrency trends in today's market. Bitcoin is currently capitalized at more than a trillion dollars. Since 2013, Bitcoin has gone from $190 a coin to as high as $63,000 a coin. Ethereum, the world's second largest crypto, has rose more than 325% this year alone and is valued at over $3,100 a coin. Coinbase, a highly used digital wallet during its initial public offering in the last month or so, was also valued at $87.3 billion on its IPO. Things that you can buy with crypto today, well, NBA tickets, Whoppers in the Netherlands, funerals, guns, Rolexes, Tesla cars, and just about everything in Japan. Perhaps you should start considering it for your business, uh, or if you'll be accepting crypto in the near future. Or last, if maybe it's the right thing for you to invest in. All right, that does it for this week's Bad Elf 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed our selected news of the week. If you have any questions about this story, about Bad Elf GNSS products, or you have any other brilliant deductions that you want fleshed out, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or any other social media outlet. Hasta la vista, geoholics. Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for Geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, cyanicautomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, landsurveyorsunited.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu forward slash land dash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, and last but not least, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com. <laughs> Such a great song. <laughs> Hello, Geoholics. I believe that song was released like in 1975, something like that. Am I the only one that was born? Yes. For sure. Yes. <laughs> Even for me, yes. 
Oh my God, man, how, how the world has changed, right? Crazy. So on a much lighter note, thanks for being here, everybody. We are coming to you from the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. And what a show we've got lined up this week. I have to mention that this is the last episode sans Buttermaker shoots as he has just about completed his coaching commitment for the season. So by the way, PJ, I may or may not have committed us to attending Huddy's last game. I'd love to. Which is next week. So we got to carve out time to do that. Cool. So it should be fun. Sitting in for uh, big shoots this week is none other than the legend himself, the OG friend of the program, Mr. Trent Keenan. Trent, thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yep, yep. And we have episode 81. So it's my understanding that you have something or somebody lined up for number 81. So in Big Shoots' absence, he was nice enough to give me a, give me a pick. Tonight's pick is Tim Brown, 1988 first round pick, number sixty or number six overall for the Oakland Raiders out of Notre Dame, which is now the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Nice fitting tie there. Heisman Trophy winner in 1987, nine-time Pro Bowler, NFL's 1990s All-Decade Team. And the 2009 College Hall of Fame mm. and 2015 NFL Hall of Fame wow. inductee. So, pretty good stuff there. Uh, I did look up uh, one more little thing on him, and he actually did not even play um, high school football his freshman year because his mom would not allow it. Wow. So. <laughs> to get started that late and yeah. have the accolades that he does. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and actually, I knew he was good, but I, I didn't know he was that good. Right. Like, I yeah. had no idea. I didn't even know he was in the Hall of Fame, to be honest with you. But yep. uh, Good stuff. Good choice. And I like the tie with the Raiders. That was, right. I thought yeah. that was perfect. Good yeah. job, Shoots. For sure, for sure. So real quick, I, we've got a ton to unravel this evening. So I, I want to mention that all three Geoholics branded Bills hats are available for purchase at geoholics.com. So shipping is included. So, nice. so don't let the price scare you when you look at it. Purchasing one of these limited edition, one-time only, highly sought after Geoholics lids, as the kids say, you will not regret it. And as I mentioned, shipping is included. PJ, tell us about that opening number. All right, guys, that was Sister Golden Hair by America. So America is a rock band that was formed in London in 1970 by Dewey Bunnell, Dan Peake, and Gary Beckley. Achieving significant popularity in the 1970s, the trio was famous for its close vocal harmonies and light acoustic folk rock sound. The group continues to record material and tour with regularity. America won a Grammy Award for Best New Artist and were nominated for Best Pop Vocal Group at the 15th Annual Grammy Awards in 1973. The group was inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2006 and received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2012. I didn't even know they had Grammy Awards in 1973. Me neither. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man. It's a great song, though. Great great choice by our guest this evening. Shout out to this week's featured friend of the program. Uh, we are up to Bad Elf, I believe. Uh, TK, what do you got for Bad Elf? So Bad Elf, LLC, envisions, designs, and manufactures niche hardware and software by mixing decades of experience and expertise in enabled hardware firmware, middleware, and application software. That's a lot of wear. It's a lot of wear. (laughs) Bad Elf (laughs) specializes in affordable and reliable high-performance GNSS receivers for GIS mapping and field data collection. All their products are lightweight, portable, and provide a battery life of 24 hours for for a full day of data collection activities. Bad Elf products work with Esri Collectors, Survey123, and most any location-based app in the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. They are developing low-cost, high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. Reach out to Dr. Nick Smolowski at 
N-I-K at bad-elf.com or visit their website at bad-elf.com. Mention that you heard about the Flex receiver on the Geoholics and receive $100 off your purchase and the highly coveted fitted Bad Elf hat. They are really cool hats also. It's a good hat. Yeah. To get a Geoholics hat too? I might be in it if I got a Geoholics there you hat. Go. Uh, we can make that happen. We might That's have right. to partner up. We can make that happen. <laughs> I know. 100 bucks. Let's give them 200 bucks off. What do you say? There you, there go. you go. Yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> I, got, I got a quick bit about Bad Elf here too. Uh, Dr. Nick was nice enough to give me one of uh, those Bad Elf. And we went out and took it out to San Diego and we were sailing around. And we had it. I had it strapped to the side of the boat. And it tracked us entire, when we were sailing out there. So cool that like obviously you can use it in like the professional space. But, you know in the marine industry and stuff you can go use yeah. it for recreation so i actually have a worse story so nick sent me one to my office Uh-oh. About two weeks ago <laughs> i sent it gave it to three different guys at the office and they all said i'm too busy to deal with this and so they put it slammed the door <laughs> shut didn't even bother to try it so oh geez i brought they it back take it i brought it back to san diego tonight. and sailing <laughs> I, I brought it back tonight man I, I know it's horrible but i did tell nick i'm gonna have to fly him up and he's just gonna have to give us a live, oh, a live uh, promotion there <laughs> yeah. so to make up for uh his two weeks of lost. Yeah, for sure. I've had some hands-on experience with the uh, the flex receiver, and it's pretty slick. There's no doubt about it. So anybody listening, if you hadn't, if you have not yet given it a chance, I would definitely uh, definitely look into it. It's a low-cost survey-grade solution for sure. Uh, where are we at? Weekly pod word. Before we get to this week's pod word, we must draw the winner of the April Listener Prize, which is a super cool frame survey performed and initialed by the one and only George Washington. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. So the winner of this amazing prize is... Drum roll, please. Joe Huff. Joe, we will be reaching out to you to make the necessary arrangements to get this awesome picture to you. So this week's pod word, playing off Bad Elf, of course, is elfdom. And I'm not sure if it's a word, but I think the folks at Bad Elf are actually trying to trademark this. So again, the word is elfdom, E-L-F-D-O-M-E. Easy to remember, right? Love it. All right, let's catch up with the fellas. PJ. How's it going, guys? What's going on, man? Doing good. Uh, I saw an article today, and you might have seen this, and it really intrigued me. Um, Did you see this space wine thing? Space wine. Yes, yes I did. You did. Yeah, I spent like fourteen months in space, right? Yeah, exactly. So yes. they they set up this crate of wine. It was some sort of yeah, right. Everything mm-hmm. they sent up to the space station is an experiment, mm-hmm. and they were trying to see like how the atmosphere and like that whatever that is, gravity and stuff would yep. would alter this. So it spent like fourteen months in there, and I think they had what is it like twelve or. A dozen bottles or so, yeah. and they all came back down. And they made it all back, and that's a part of it right there. How do they come back to exactly a- and be like glass bottles, like so? But, but crazy. So yeah, they opened up uh, a couple of them, I guess, and they had some wine experts taste it, and they said that the taste was quote swipe slightly altered. Really? So I don't know what that means, better for worse, but pretty cool. And they're selling them right. One of them's right on. Um, I was gonna say they're auctioning them off or something. Yeah, Christie's. Yeah. It's got it for like a million dollars or something. It's got this real nice crate. But that's crazy. Can you imagine buying that? What a great like. Yeah. What a novelty you, piece. You can't open it. There's yeah. no way you could open it, right? Exactly. Eh, I don't yeah, know. If I, had to, if I had to guess, slightly altered is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. After sitting for, I don't even know what would really change it, though, but I don't know. I'm not a wine. Yeah. That's interesting. The gravity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, I mean, Bad Elf, obviously, that was pretty cool that Nick sent me out that. Um, I have the data. Nick, if you're listening, reach out. I'll send you this data. Maybe we can do something cool with it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. He'd love it. But That's awesome. How about you? Me? You want to go to me? Oh, next? I'm sorry. Let's no. go to Trent. I we'll jumped the horn me. there. No worries. <laughs> So I just, uh, I spent the weekend, last weekend in uh, St. George, had a uh, little 20-man golf tournament, and uh, Thursday we go up, I shoot a nice 84, feeling good, Friday, this goes off of your, uh, playing off your 
comment last week that you want to go play golf. Yeah. And so Friday, <laughs> I, I go out, I'm feeling really good, have a range session, it's really good. Tee off, I shoot a 78, four birdies, beautiful Damn, day. Wow. Nice. Saturday morning, I forgot how to play golf. Really? Uh-oh. I shot 109. <laughs> oh, Are you Uh-oh. serious? I went from 100. And, same I went from course? A, yeah, same course, same everything. Isn't I went, that crazy? I went that from happens. a 78 to Wait, a. Did you not sleep or something? Oh, you were hammered, probably. <laughs> no, I no? didn't. I didn't. I had a couple I mean, old fashions, but it wasn't. What do you think? I mean, what, what, what happened? I couldn't figure it out. And I did that one other time. Yeah. I did that one other time. I shot a 73 the day before my birthday a few years ago. And I shot the next day I went out and shot 101. That's amazing. <laughs> I'd be lucky to shoot 101. That I don't even amazing. know how it happens. I don't even know how it happens. So golf is such a crazy you angry? game. Does I, it no, bother you? No, I just laughed it off. It's, what does it, anything make Trent for you? Angry? <laughs> no, I can't. Right. <laughs> can't I, on the other hand, I yeah, right. <laughs> don't get us going. No, there's nothing you can do about it, right? You just kind of laugh. You're really like, can't, I can't yeah. figure it out. I have no yeah. idea what's going on today. So. Or, you, or you just be like me and shoot 105 every time. Yeah, see? Yeah. No expectations. No expectations. You're good. Exactly. All right, so what's up with you? Oh, me. Um, I think I saw a real live zombie today. Okay. I'm hey, sorry, I should be a good story. Was he is here? Yes. Here? No, not in the, oh. not in the studio. Oh. I was going to say shoots. No. <laughs> no. I, uh, so my route to work, I, I, I go through like this unsavory part of town, right? And I don't have to go that way, but it's kind of like the shortest route. And it is pretty, pretty sketchy. It's like sunny slope area. Okay. And I mean, the people I see on this trip, on this journey of mine every single day to and from work are, I mean, first of all, it breaks my heart. There's no doubt about it. And the thing it does, honestly, is it kind of puts life into perspective for me. So like, even when I'm driving to work and I'm seeing these people, I was like, my goodness, you know, I'm so lucky, you know, so blessed in so many ways. Um, But I, I actually got scared today. I'm driving by and I saw this guy all dressed in black. His face is like painted black. you look like a freaking zombie. I mean, I think it was a real life zombie. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it, it didn't start my day off very well. I thought about it all day, you know, and then I'm driving home. Like, you know, do you do it? Do you circle back like, and get a double take? Or no, I too didn't. Scared? I was too scared. Yeah. <laughs> I saw driving. this. I was like, put the blinders like, on. Keep driving. Like, please tell me I didn't just see a zombie. You know, I'm going to just keep going. So, but, tried to uh, unsee what you've seen. I did. I did. So, I'm, on the way home, I'm like looking for this guy. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, hopefully you didn't see me, you know. But uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. But uh, it, it, it is very humble and it sure. really does put a perspective on my day like it puts me into perspective on the way to work it puts me into perspective on my own work and yeah although it's very very sad to see but exactly it's a crazy world all right um safety pearl safety share tk the spotlight is on you once again once again and i think uh uh big shoots just found every uh the longest bio thing he could find so he does safe- that every week <laughs> i know I'm like, what summarize heck? it Summarize it. So this is uh, this is now what we call it last week, the safety share and other things we should worry about. Yes. Good point. Yes. So this week's one that is he found. Is the captain obvious? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> safety share and other things we should worry about is about machine guarding this week. So workers who operate and maintain machinery suffer approximately 18,000 injuries and over 800 deaths per year. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. And machine safeguards are the first line of defense against injuries caused by moving machines. Machine guarding is a precautionary safety feature on the manufacturing or other engineering equipment. Specifically, it is a shield or device covering hazardous areas of the machine to prevent contact with the body parts or to control hazards like chips and or noise uh, from exiting the machine. In order for machine guards to be effective, they must prevent contact 
be secure in place or otherwise tamper-proofed. And now I just zoomed out too far. And create a new hazard. Allow for lubrication of the guard still in place and not interfere with the machine operation. It goes on for about five more paragraphs. Hold on a second. I got to talk to Shoots about this. Who, who, who does this? Who relates to this? You know what it makes me think of, though? Have you ever seen those, really quick, not to get off topic, but have you ever seen those blades where it's like a circular saw yeah. and it has like the tech where you like, if it touches your hand, yes. it like automatically stops? Yes. How exactly. crazy is that? That used, to, amazing. that used to be like, yeah. Blow my mind when I was little. Yeah. Here's, here's what it makes. Uh, let's skip that. That's I was, no, 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 no. <laughs> what, uh, honestly, I would say where it comes into play is uh, for guys who lay out houses, right? And they have to okay. do the curb scribes. Yeah. Um, so okay. if, you're, if you're doing a curb scribe in a subdivision. Put better, your machine guard on. Put oh, your no, machine I'll guard on. Put your eye guard on. Yeah. There you go. For put sure. all your PPE on. And uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of, uh, it keeps going and going. So big shoots. I'm sorry. I cannot feel... The, Shoots, that the thousand word essay you gave <laughs> yeah. me to talk about on machine guards. Be safe, please. Yes, yeah. be safe. <laughs> yeah. Be safe. It makes me think about like my dad when he was a kid. He worked construction, like starting from when he was sixteen years old, and he had like a circular saw, right? Yeah. And he was cutting some wood. Apparently, it was before I was born. Yeah. But the guard was up or something, and something slipped and it went like oh. right across his oh. thigh. Yeah. And he literally had like five hundred stitches across his oh. thigh. Because yeah. I mean, he was obviously he wasn't being careful. Yeah. Um, but man. Power tools and me do not mix. So I, <laughs> I like avoid them at all costs. The last paragraph says, do not self-adjust the guard. So mm, there we'll you leave, go. We'll end it with that. There you go. Leave that to a professional. That's right. <laughs> Don't drink while you're using power tools. That's my go. That's a good start. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. Not a good idea. All right, cool. Let's get on with right. our guest this evening. So this evening we have, and you've heard her voice a couple times already, uh, Miss Amanda Allred. And of course, she is a PLS. Uh, a little bit about Amanda here. Born in Silver City, New Mexico, and was raised about 60 miles north in Glenwood, New Mexico, in the heart of the Gila Wilderness. Farmers and ranchers for four generations on both sides of her family can ran cattle in the blue range primitive area in southeastern arizona so she has ties to arizona as well she attended new mexico state university go aggies in las cruces new mexico and the university of alaska anchorage i will give 50 dollars to anybody that knows who the, what this what the uh, mascot is uh the herrings nope i'm out the uh, buffalo except for amanda except for amanda she's yeah. out. buffalo uh, nope the sea wolves Oh. Yeah. yeah. What is a sea wolf? Is that uh, an even? Is that even a that's thing? A, that's a mythical creature. <laughs> it's a Disney thing, right. for sure. Um, the one thing is, I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, Amanda, I'll be really impressed if you knew this. Uh, a, a notable alumnus is Vicky Persinger. Do you know who she is? I don't know. Who well, I'm going to tell you. She's a two-time U.S. <laughs> national curling champion. Uh, oh, that yeah. fits. That's, that's a curling tie. Yeah. Yep, yep, okay. yep. And a University of Alaska Anchorage alumnus. So there you have it. Amanda has a BS in surveying engineering from New Mexico State University and an associates in geomatics from University of Alaska Anchorage. She is the district land surveyor for the United States Army Corps of Engineers in Walla Walla, Washington. I've always loved that name. That's yeah. awesome. Walla Walla, Washington. Amanda and her husband own and maintain a 40-acre farm in southeastern Washington State. Her career highlights include, she's been named to the, I always, is it XYHT or is it Xite? Magazine. XYHT. XYHT, <laughs> top 40 yes. under 40 list. She's the NSPS Western States Council Chairman. I think they should change that to chairperson, by the way. She's received a certification from Cornell University in Women in Leadership in 2019. 
Uh, NSPS Vice President 2020-2021, helped start the Diversity Committee with NSPS in 2020, started the Surveyor Shop 2020 for, in 2020 for promoting diversity and land surveying, and a CST board member for three years. So just when you think like you've accomplished a lot, humility shows up in the form of someone like Amanda. You know what I mean? Oh. Right, right. Exactly. So welcome, Amanda, the Geoholics. Thank you so much for risking your professional reputation by joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding about that. It's, it's a huge risk. It, it really is. is. You know, Trent was going to be here, so I figured, you know, it would be halfway. <laughs> yeah, it would be, be at least a little bit serious. That's right. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll keep it in check. He's, the, he's the voice of reason this evening. <laughs> yeah, Give me sure. one of these, Trent. There you go. It's, it's, it's going awry. All right, you got it. Button. You got it. Oh my God. All right, so I got to ask you, Amanda, with everything that you've accomplished today, and you're still pretty young, let's face it, so what, do you, what's, what are you most proud of? Oh, oh, for sure the diversity work. Sure. Cool. It's, um, you're, yeah, it's yep. near and dear to my heart. And um, the things that happen to minorities and to women in this industry mm. is atrocious. And and I experience it um, weekly. Mm. I've been called a squaw. I've been told I will never go out in the field. I've been taken <sighs> off of committees. And I've been, and, and, and those are just um, within the last year. Oh, my so, God. Um, we have a long way to go, but I am most proud of the fact of the people that get involved with that. And, and Trent Keenan is one of them. And, um, and he is the reason that my diversity campaign got started off. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate his friendship. Of course. And I'm so glad that he will be taking it over <laughs> because I'm old and tired. <laughs> so, and, and my health hasn't been the best in the last three months. And so mm. I'm really, I'm really most passionate about the, the diversity and, and helping minorities and women in this profession. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the passion is, you know, very apparent and, you know, to hear those stories are, is quite frankly, horrific. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but I appreciate you sharing that and, um, you know, not being afraid to become emotional about it because it's Absolutely. obviously something that is very, uh, very near and dear to your heart. So I appreciate that. So exactly. let's, um, let's discuss briefly. I mean, there, most people probably listening have heard your story because you've been on a number of podcasts and you're, you know, you put yourself out there and there's just a lot of information about, out there about you. Um, but so let's, how, how did you get introduced to surveying? And I'd like uh, to, and once you talk about that, I'd like to talk about the evolution of the profession since you committed to making a career, but how did you get started? Sure. Yeah. My, um, I, I went to New Mexico state. I was, was passionate about working at the dams, um, and on the snake river of all places, mm. because I visited this area with my grandmother when I was 16. That was the first major trip I took out of New Mexico. And we, she had family around Kennewick, around Twire cities. And so we visited, this area and we actually visited a number of the dams on the snake river and i really became passionate about um about dams and about water and about um because as you all know being from the southwest and from the desert water is everything to us and it was so fascinating to me that this was such an arid area but the amount of water they had to utilize to farm was um it, it was just a it was just mind-boggling to me for a girl from um glenwood new mexico and so um, I really, I didn't know what the Corps of Engineers was, but I really wanted to work for them at some point. And um, I went to New Mexico State University and I started out in civil engineering, but I quickly realized that civil engineers are a dime a dozen 
and they don't build dams anymore. <laughs> so there's not a lot of huge structures being put in, you know, in the United States anymore. There's maintenance, but there's not a lot of huge structures. And so um, I turned over to surveying because I had an opportunity to go to Alaska. And that was one of my other big dreams was to go and work in Alaska. Sure. And so that's how I got sucked over into the surveying engineering side. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk just a little bit. I'm, I'm sure you can go into great deal, detail about this, but talk about some of the main things in regards to, you know, the evolution of the profession since you, like I said, committed to making it a career. Yeah, I think um, it, is, it has come a long way. We were, um, it seems, it seems funny with the backpacks of the GPS, but um, working for the BLM when I first did that first summer in 1997, we, we were doing all conventional and they were testing with GPS. And so we would shoot. Um, I remember being kicked out of a boat on a rock and shooting about five or six mile shots, you know, with these huge prisms. And then they would get out the GPS and they were testing the GPS to see if it would match, you know. And so that's where we were at in the, the late 90s. They were trying to convince themselves that the BLM, that G GPS was going to be OK and it was going to work. You know, it wasn't just this magic box. And so we ran a lot of everything we ran through the forest down there um, with the native land claims and the native allotments and the um, state parks and things was all conventional though. So, and I, I feel blessed to have been able to do that because now sometimes when we get our crews in and they can't find a prism across a dam, I can kind of help and show them, you know, you, how you line things up and how you pay attention. Nice. And, and it's an art form. It's a skill yeah. that's kind of gone by the wayside, which is unfortunate, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that I got a, enough in on the back end of it that I do have those skills that I can find a, a prism, at, you know, a few miles away and, you know, and watch the prism move. <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't just stand there and, you know, play on your phone and forget where the prism's at. You, you got to mm -hmm. watch the guy with it, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. And not a lot of people have had the experience of doing something like that. Either. Not, not yeah, not much anymore. That's, that's very good points. I would say. Yeah. Especially when it comes to sure. the prism side. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about the diversification side of things, but you know, as far as the evolution for the time that you've been involved with the profession, a lot of it revolves around the technology for sure. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, you know, made it clear already that, you know, being a female in a, in a male dominated profession has presented its challenge. And, you know, one of the many things I respect about you is that you have personally taken it upon yourself to not just shine a light on these challenges, but actually, you know, try to make a difference and uh, not just for, you know, surveyors now, but for future generations. So talk about these efforts and the positive results you are seeing in the diversification side of the surveying profession. Yeah. And, um, and I'm really glad to see it because my boss here at the Corps of Engineers in Walla Walla, she worked here for 30 years and um, she was really a pioneering woman to be, to be doing these things. And, and I know what I'm, it's better for me because she was here and I hope for it to be better for the people that are coming behind me. But, um, the interesting thing about, about harassment and, um, and, and the overall meanness of people is that it didn't occur to me when I was in New Mexico because everybody knew my family. Everybody knew who I was. Everybody knew whose daughter I was. Everybody knew whose granddaughter I was. So I didn't experience these things until actually I left New Mexico mm. and I went to Alaska and then bad things started happening because there's no accountability when you're a stranger. There's no accountability when you're, you're new to an area. And, um, that's where we have to, I think as 
coworkers and as just good human beings and stand up for one another, you know, and say, no, this is wrong. This, this should not happen. And, um, the, the other part of that, along with the army is that, um, these the situations get brushed under the, the rug a lot sometimes. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the army take a different stance on them and that they're trying to be more proactive and trying to make a difference. Um, no woman or anybody should be feel scared at work. And, um, and that's what I want to help other people with. So, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I know for a fact that your story is not the only one like it, you know, we've had some other <laughs> ladies on that have shared, you know, the different experiences that they've had and with technology and everything else. I mean, this, this form of harassment, can well the harassment can come in many different forms i guess is what i'm trying to say um and it is it's scary it's scary and we're not going to change it overnight and we just need to keep talking about it and we need to keep you know just keep moving it forward i guess and you know and i i've got a great story to tell you though too um the last time i flew down to arizona i was sitting next to a lady that has worked in construction for you know well over 30 years she supplies supplies large amounts of materials to huge contractors. And I, um, I was sitting next to her in first class and I started asking her, do you think things are good? Have they changed over your 30 years? And she said, they've come a long way, but they could get better. And then, um, I started, I looked at her and then I looked at all the crew members. Um, cause I fly Alaska all the time. Mm-hmm. Every single crew member was a male and there was wow. two of us sitting in first class and they were serving us. And so I've had well, maybe things are getting a hair wow. better, you know, because look at the dynamic that has shifted here. Yeah. And not that that's, I think that's, I think that's in, indicative of the changing times of for everybody that, that men mm-hmm. cannot play the roles they want to play too, you know, and these aren't, these aren't just male or female roles that I can be a land surveyor and anybody else can be a flight attendant if that's what they want to do, you know? And it was just, it was, it was a great feeling to have that moment with her that, um, that maybe things are getting better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's, you know, there's shouldn't be gender specific, you know, careers. Right. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that persona needs to go away. And I think eventually we're going to get there. And, you know, obviously you started the first step in creating the, the diversity program and that kind of stuff and getting the voices out there and getting it talked about and getting it in the forefront. And so it's like we said earlier, it's going to take years and it eventually will get there, but it's we're just and I, and I hope it's better for your daughter too, Trent, because yeah, I know absolutely. you're really passionate yeah. about her as absolutely, well. Um, exactly. My stepdad worked for me for a number of years. And when people would walk into my office, they would, they would be lying for him. And, and, you know, when I was, when I was 26 and I was first licensed, these things really bothered me. But then the older I got, I was like, they can go talk to him and I can actually get some work done. <laughs> this isn't a bad thing, you know, hey. but even when he would try to tell them, you know, I'm not the PLS. Um, she is, you need to go talk to Amanda about that. They would look at me and then they would go back to talk to him, you know, and, and that's just going to take time. It's going to take time and distance, you know, um, to get that into people's minds that different people can have different roles. I personally think it's definitely a generational thing for sure. You know, I mean, and I hate to say it, but as like these folks that I guess I'm talking about males, um, retire and are no longer part of the profession. 
and these younger generations, you know, kind of make their way up, I think it's, it's, it's going to change. There's no doubt about it. I think it's going to change. It just needs a stronger voice. I mean, the girls, the girls have to push back. And yep. I'll tell you, even it happened last night on uh, on the Mentoring Mondays program. So mm. um, just we had uh, kind of our open session, and there was uh, there was some, you know, younger generation females on there versus mm-hmm. some older guys. And, you know, um, she, I will say she stood up and kind of just was like, really? hold on, give me a second, let's let me – can you stop answering and let me finish my wow. question? So yeah. it's going to take the girls to have the confidence to step forward. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, Good for her. right. Yeah. And, and yeah. come forward. And so, and just kind of, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing wrong with, can you let me finish my question? Right. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. That, so. And That's, she did post mm-hmm. on the women in serving, um, summit group and she mentioned something that happened on there. Okay. And, 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 you know, well. it, it, it takes time. It does exactly. take time because I, when I was the um, when I was the Western Regional Chairman, I, I got hushed in my own meeting. I got told to be quiet in my own meeting. Wow! And um, and I don't think that would have happened to a man, you know. And and I was so shocked at the time. I I even apologized at the time. I said, "Oh, I'm sorry." And then I was like, "Oh, why did I say I'm sorry?" You know. Later, mm, um, yeah. the director from Hawaii was with me, and she's like, "Don't apologize, Amanda." She's yeah. like, that caught you off guard. Don't apologize. It's all right. But um, but to be hushed in your own meeting and told to be quiet in your own meeting when you're the chairperson. That's, that's a problem. Person, yeah, that's, that's a problem. That's terrible. Why do you think this why do you think this movement is finally like obviously just in the last two years, like maybe having a stronger voice, it seems like. You know, I mean it, it's been an issue for forever, but just over the last couple of years, I think that it's really come to the forefront, especially in land surveying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, gender diversification, age diversification, um, what, whatever. But why, why do you think this is happening now? In my mind, you know, for it's, me, it's the push. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Trent. I was going to say pushing the STEM, right? So we're getting more females involved in the STEM mm. part of the profession. And so there's just more and more women involved in the profession. And so, again, going back, getting the girls to have stronger confidence. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I just put an ad out in that same magazine, that, that article that we wrote, but the article had my daughter and then it was like, know take charge and don't apologize for it right i mean that's that's the way women should think yep so but i think that has to do with their upbringing too though oh of course like i mean you raised your daughter to be a strong person 100 percent. i mean yeah for sure yep you know and that's a lot of the generational problem there because um me in the early 80s in that area I i was raised by my grandparents and um and i was told to behave and to be kind and to be quiet Right. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yep. But now we're coming into the end of it. And um, as far as being a millennial there and, and you get angry after a while and you get tired and, um, and, and I don't want to be angry and tired my whole life, but, um, but at 40, I'm tired of it. Yeah. And, um, and in particular, tired of saying that everything's okay when it's not, you know, mm-hmm. um, I have a whole lot of hope because gentlemen like you give me a lot of hope that you're you're kind and you're inclusive and and you're not um, the stereotypical people that that get the industry in trouble. But um, but there's there's so much good out there as well, and I don't want to harp on all the bad. But um, but I'm tired of just acting like everything's hunky dory when it's not anymore. You know. So. Yep, for sure. Um, on a positive note, and speaking of inclusion. Tell us a little bit about the hashtag I am a surveyor movement that you started. Yeah. So it's been about a year. Um, it was about a year at this time when we were all sitting, you know, in our, 
in our homes, <laughs> staring at our screens, not talking to one another. And all these, all these horrible things were happening on TV to people around us. And then the George Floyd thing really struck a chord with me. And, and at that time, I, I thought, I started thinking about how women and minorities are treated in the land surveying profession. And, um, and I, um, one of the things that um, I was telling you about with my stepfather and I, and I would tell people, I am a surveyor. And they would look at me and go, kind of like the dumb dog look, and then look at him and then start talking to him again. And I'd be like, no, I am a surveyor. And so that's where the, um, this is what a surveyor looks like campaign came from mm -hmm. um these are stickers that were sent all over the world thanks to trent and a lot of other good donors and some instagram friends i had that were mailing them out and the send in the drones the surveyor i am and the the different ones with the the different colors were all meant for different people um mm -hmm. this is the black and brownish one and i also did one um in white and one um and one in army green for for the veterans and um, for people coming in from the military side, because I was able to hire four or five. Um, actually, they were um, they were Iraq veterans and um, Desert Storm veterans. And those guys were the best help I ever had. And then working at the Army as well, I just I, I'm really passionate about helping veterans. And I think that serving fits in so well with them and what they're doing Um because they, they show up, they're on time, they're respectable, they're kind, and they're courteous, and, and they're excited about what they do. And um, so that's that's where it started. But Trent Keenan was really the most, um, when I started the surveyor shop, he, he gave the biggest donation. <laughs> Not that that's always <laughs> the, but uh, I but do I, my part. I'm telling you that guy, that guy is, is he's a gem. <laughs> and um, and I, I really appreciated his passion and um, for helping get these things out. And we actually did some T-shirts as well. And they um, said, this is what a Surrey Barrier looks like with the, the hashtag women who survey on the back of them. And these are really popular. Um, they got a lot of traction. And I did sweatshirts as well. But um, but that's kind of where it all started off from. It's just, just making a statement. Just so you could put um, – there's a great gal from – Wanda Martinez that put this on her pink hard hat and she's from Georgia, I think, but originally from, from Puerto Rico. And she has this on her hard hat and it, it was to start a conversation. And um, so if somebody sees this or sees, sees this and can say to you, if you have it on your water bottle, what is that about? What does that mean to you? You can talk about surveying. You can talk about what you do as a profession that I am a surveyor and STEM and geomatics and land surveying and about all these things, these were conversation starters. And so when people would ask for one, I would send them two. So they would put one on their water bottle and then they would give one to the person that asked them about it. So. Exactly. So awesome. 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 Um, Trent. It's, a, it's an honor to know you, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm serious, man. I mean, I, I'm not going to get like all mushy or anything, but I mean, like you and I have become really good friends over the course of the last couple of years, you know, yep. and uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I tell people all the time. I mean, nobody does more for this profession than Trent Keenan. He's, no he's a monument in the industry for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No just question. do my part. I'm, whatever we can do to promote positive light, right? Exactly. Positive light in the profession. So, yeah. And, uh, exactly. bring, and bring uh, positive awareness. So. Yeah. Whatever we can do, and for I'll, sure, and I'll support any way we can, financially, so that's, marketing, whatever. Yeah, so that's always. where we're at now, and I'm I'm going to be shipping all these stickers to Mentoring Mondays, <laughs> so well, that they'll be able to um to distribute them nice. um, and do a get step up on it. My um I have 
um, my husband also has um, has cancer right now, and um, and we got our hands full, and so. I'm, I'm glad that this campaign will be in good hands. So. I will take care of it for you. I will continue <laughs> your passion between Heather and I will continue the passion for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of your husband, I know that, um, that you guys have got a lot of support from the survey profession, you know, with your husband being ill and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'd be happy for you to, you know, talk about that if you'd like, but also talk about, you know, in your opinion, what makes surveying a great, um, a great profession? I'm going to call it a profession. Some might argue call it a trade. Some might just call it an occupation, but what makes it a great profession? I, I really think that what makes it a great profession is that you can do as much or as little with it as, as your heart desires, you know, um, there's Trent shared that video with us about the gentleman in Florida who decided to leave land surveying. Um, yep. but I, I kind of feel like the profession might've been better off without the people that don't have the heart and the guts to stick it out for just a little while longer, you know, because I think, um, if you're into immediate gratification, land surveying probably isn't for you, but if you're into, if you're into working hard and trying, I think the sky is the limit for where you can go and what you can do. You will find a great company and great people that will take care of you and and help you grow into um, into anything you want to be. So that's really that's really where that's at. And my husband, um, with his cancer, I think it has really been our contacts across the country that had have helped have helped us. I had to go to some meetings um, in Washington D.C. and our friends in um, Arizona, Harold and Mary Baldwin, actually came from Sanders and sat with him at the Mayo Clinic while I while I went back east and wow. handled some surveying stuff. And and the instances of that are, are so numerous, but that's the main one that sticks out to me, that um, that, that kind of love. Um, mm. So. Yeah. Along, I just wanted to add, so I listened to the radio the other day. I heard um, there was a country song. I was listening to the country music, and the country song come on, and it was uh, Lainey Wilson, and she just became number one uh, with a country music star. And uh, I shared some other stuff with Amanda, or I mean with uh, Anna earlier about the, the movement in country music and women and how long it's taken and that kind of stuff. But um, she had mentioned on the interview that she was told when she comes to Nashville, it's a 10 year career. It's going to take you a minimum of 10 years to get to the radio. And so like we just talked about a second ago, if you don't have, if you're in for that instant gratification, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Right. And so no different than going to Nashville for country music, you're not going to make it in an overnight success, you know, mm. one in a million maybe. Right. And so I just think that was such a good story of any kind of career you probably look at to become a professional is going to take you a long time. And so you have to put in the time, you have to learn the profession, no different country music or, or mm-hmm. surveying. Right. And so spend sure. the time, get your teeth wet and, and take the 10 years it's going to take you to get a career yeah. no matter what it is. Absolutely. So I think yeah. you probably look at any profession across the board it's going to take you a minimum of 10 years probably to, do, sure. to get to any kind of professional level. So yep. I just thought that and was I such a really cool story. Tell me, I had one guy tell me that, well, by the time I do that, I might as well be a doctor. And I'm like, well, you might, we might be think that. Um, the point I guess for us is, is we need to, we need to demand better wages and we need to charge what we're worth. Absolutely. And, um, and the people that lowball and people that do things for free and do things crappily, <laughs> crappy that's a new word, the word I mean, we're going to coin that the crappily. Crappily. <laughs> are they're the ones that need to go away because they are they are not true professionals they do not represent us and they are not um they're not charging or maintaining the professional standards that need to be held you know 
Yeah. I don't, I don't want to pick on like the national ALTA, you know, firms, but I can tell you like, mm-hmm. I'll get a bid on a project that I had done recently. They'll send it out from the, one of the national firms. Right. And then you go by a week or two later and somebody who had to start the project completely from a hundred percent beat my price yep. for even doing, you know, a quote unquote update, which there's no such thing. We've had that yep. conversation yep. a million, yep. million times, but to do a, a, an Alta that I've already done or just did, you know, two, three years ago, somebody's yeah. coming from wherever, right? So and, you're talking about to, like, like the Alta Clearinghouse companies, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like so, Bach and Clark and... Yeah, Pulse I wasn't going to name Not names, to mention... I'm not going to name the names, yeah. but... We, yeah. we can retract that, right, PJ? <laughs> <laughs> but just the national firms, right? And you, and you, they send them out. They Even they're, they're just as bad, looking for the bottom dollar, the cheapest <laughs> surveyor to get the job done. And, not, and we'll not even you know, have the relationship to the guy who just did it. Yep. So, yep. so you guys, yeah. are, you guys are getting ahead just a little okay, bit. Okay. Sorry. We're going to, we're going to get there. Sorry, we're going to get there. Uh, <laughs> all, all good stuff. I'll all talk about stuff. it again then. I thought, I, I thought you were supposed to be the voice reason. Now it's me. Okay. I see where this is going. Sorry. All right. Um, so before we get to that, uh, we've kind of touched on, you know, the evolution of the profession as a whole, a lot of, you know, the t- on the technology side and stuff like that. Let's talk about the evolution of like the individual land surveyor. Like what does it take nowadays to become a great surveyor. What do you think about that, Amanda? That's a, that's a good question because um, I think we miss out so much now on, you, you miss out working on a big crew. You miss out working in the woods. You miss out working, um, you know, with the total station and stuff. Um, so um, I, I still think those guys will be great lab surveyors. I, I really do because um, I've still, the most I've ever learned have been from my interns <laughs> and that's a painful thing to admit, you know, mm-hmm. when, when your intern has to teach you something, but, um, but, but honestly, just because they're doing it differently and they're learning it differently does not mean that we are incapable of passing those skills along to us, to them. So, you know, because now it's our job and, and now we, we can't take the easy way out and say, Oh, well, you kids, you just, you don't know how to do this because you didn't do it the hard way you know, what difference does it ma- that make? It's still our job to help them learn. And so even if it's in a different way, in a different manner, um, I, I think, I think it can all be there. It, what it will really take is different mentors and a variety of mentors. And I, that's why I love that guy over there again, because, um, you cannot just listen to one person your whole career and think you came out knowing everything, <laughs> you know, um, that's the danger sometimes of people that, work for their family only their father or their uncle only and then never get exposed to a different viewpoint. And I think multiple viewpoints is what will help these, this generation of surveyors. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'll I'll go back a step and just say from the late nineties into the two thousands where I look for work for a large utility firm and there was a huge pushback to go from the hub and tack to the 60 D nail and feather. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, you could go back to the, as little as, as putting a yeah. point in the ground and what it should actually be in the ground and, yeah. and the pushback that started back then. Right. And so it doesn't, mm. it doesn't matter whether it's a, a button pusher or the hammer that you use. Right. We had to use a sledgehammer, 16 pounds. You had to be a use a 16 pound <laughs> sledgehammer. Yeah. Right. Uh, Cause otherwise you weren't a man if you didn't use a 16 pound <laughs> sledgehammer. Yep. And yeah. so it, the pushback was, well, you can't do that, right? You can't, you have to use a 16 pound sledgehammer. You have to use a two by two hub and it has to be 12 inches long. And there's no way in heck I'm going to use a claw hammer and a 60 knee nail and feather to put the point in the ground. So yep. it, it's been that, you know, all the way f- for the last 25 years that I've been involved. So we're going to, we're going to continue the fights uh, with generation gaps until 
we're going to, Kent and I and, and Amanda, and we're all, as the 20-year-olds come up, we're still going to have our own fights that, uh, you know, things should be done differently. So it's, that part's never going to mm-hmm. go away. I, I and that's good. That. Yeah, that's exactly. good, though. I mean, exactly. that's we, we want that. I mean, and Amanda Absolutely. mentioned as well, you know, like she learns from her interns, you know. Absolutely. Because that's yeah. a whole different perspective from a whole different generation. And I think where we get in trouble as like the older generation is not giving those folks the time of day and listening to them. 100%. That's, that's when things kind of go awry. The, um, the most ridiculous thing that has ever happened to me was that my intern came um, from New Mexico State. He's a great kid. And he came and, um, and I was still using cables with my TSC two or something, you know what I mean? These stupid cables to transfer data. And he was like over there with his dongle, you know, like, like, just plug it in. It would be great. And I was like, ah, it was so ridiculous (laughs) that I was that person that couldn't just, you know what I mean? Use the Bluetooth and use the dongle. And, um, but we, we as we as now getting old, the older generation need to always keep that in mind that they can teach us. <laughs> so one hundred percent. And then, then go, sure. going back to your question about what does it take to be a, a surveyor, and I think uh, it's it's evolving constantly, and I think it's becoming more of a tech position more than it's the manual labor position. And so we need those STEM careers. We continue mm-hmm. to push the STEM careers, and uh, and realize that it's the it's the mathematics, it's the, it's the tech side, it's the drones, it's the picks forties. It's, you know, you hate to say it, how much, you know, drafting is done on a computer monitor now for a, for a project. Right. And Mm. as opposed to necessarily picking up the points. And so, um, it's definitely more of a high tech position that we got to continue to push in, in the, the personnel that we're going to bring in is going to be that much more tech savvy. Totally agree. Um, wasn't there a state recently that like chopped out like advanced mathematics? I don't know if it was like New Hampshire or something like that from the curriculum. Um, I mean, that's not going to help us right. hearing stuff like that. And I mean, I, I mean, our education's we can go off on. I can go off on all day on yeah. this, but our education system is freaking pathetic. There's no doubt about it. A great example of that is I, I've probably shared it before when uh, when Big Shoots and I administered like. 80, the CST, no, no, the, uh, the Trickstar Trick exam, yep. Trickstar exam, like 82 high school seniors, and uh, I think three got over 75% on it or something yep. like that. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So my Trickstar mm. story, I have a 13-year-old who was not eligible to win it, yeah. but he scored 100%. What? In nine minutes. Your son? No, it wasn't my oh son. Oh, my but God. But he still <laughs> works for us. He works for me for in the summertime, but now. So, what's he, his background? This is a great conversation. What's it, his background? It's a great conversation. He's going to uh, he's going to uh, school in New York for robotics, but wow! I, I jokingly wow. Uh, the other day he's he's in his dorm room right now and he's finishing up classes. But I jokingly yeah. said, I think you really should, you know, finish a career in serving and let's just make robotics a hobby. Yeah, you know, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And then you literally yeah. like twenty minutes later, he's like, I looked into the uh, FS and the PS exams, and as uh, one of my uh, summer classes, I'm going to kind of do an, a study yeah. on what it's going to take and do a write, do a whole write up on that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm pursuing him to try to That's become cool. a surveyor rather than a robotics engineer, but yeah, nice. it's a hard, nice. it's hard. he's been with, he's been with us for, he's interned for me over the summers since he was uh, 14 years old. So. Wow. So, I mean, but again, um, he's the exception to the rule. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that, that's Absolutely. amazing. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm yeah. still curious about, I mean, was he just naturally intelligent? Like he just like yeah. math, like math. Yes. I mean, he just gets super, it, you super, know what I mean? Super math guy. And then one other trick star story. I um, had a gentleman who 
didn't score well, but he come up and asked for an internship because he wanted to uh, kind of go in civil engineering and environmental. And so he worked for us for mm. three or four summers and then uh, went and got his environmental engineer out of UNR and then just recently got his master's. So uh, all in environmental engineering, but I couldn't, uh, couldn't, con- mm. couldn't convert yeah. him. But interesting. interesting. <laughs> so. Be- so before we get off like the mentoring topic, which yeah. is absolutely huge in our profession, no question, I'd like to give people an opportunity to kind of highlight you know, those people that have made an impact on their career. So Amanda, why don't you tell us a little about who the folks are that, uh, that really impacted your career? Um, Don Edgington, I worked for him for, he was the first PLS I worked for after graduating. Um, and we had a, we had a remote relationship kind of before remote was really, really a thing. It was in the early two thousands. And, um, um, he, he was a PE and a PLS and he taught me a lot about patience and about, um, and about taking a deep breath and um, and not forcing things. And um, he he's still a dear friend. And the other one I had was Dominica Van Coten. I worked for her. Um, she's now the chief cadastral surveyor for the BLM. Um, she's the only female to have had that job. Wow. And I got to work for her for a number of years in Alaska. <laughs> she she did something really funny. The um, we never realize who we are generationally until um, we look, can look back a few years later. And um, they were, they had a, um, they had a job on the Lucian chain and I got a call and those guys offered me, asked me to cook. And um, that wasn't the only one they asked to cook, but there were several people. They said, well, we, we already had all the surveyors filled up, but you can come cook. <laughs> and so, so this is a girl from New Mexico. And my only goal in life is to travel is, is to see shit. And so, my goal is to go out to the chain and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go because I, I might never get to go out to the chain again, to the Aleutian chain in Dominica. Uh, so I sent her the email and I can hear her yell from across the building. <laughs> and, um, and I go, Oh no, I don't know what I've done, but this is the only time I ever made her mad. And she comes over there and she tells, and she's so mad. And she goes, Amanda, if you do this, I will be so disappointed in you. She said, do not do this. And I said, I said, okay, I don't, I, and then internally, I was like, I don't know why she's worked up. I don't know why she's mad, but I'm not going to do it because she's telling me not to, you know, and I, of course I didn't do it. I probably was there 10 years after she first got there. Huh. And I don't know the things she must have went through. Wow. And for me to have possibly even taken that as a thing to do was something she was probably working against. And so it was really, it was really neat and naive of me to be able to go, well, I'll go cook. I don't care. You know what I mean? I just want to go to the chain, but, um, I really respected her for, for, for standing her ground and saying, no, don't do this, Amanda. There's a reason and don't do it. Mm. And, um, that kind of relationship now I know why yeah, you're... <laughs> now that I'm 40 and I've had more experiences wow. and I'm now her age. Um, now I know why she says, no, Amanda, don't go do that because it would be a step backwards. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So those are two of my greatest mentors. That's cool. Like her, her perspective was like so ahead of, Oh yeah. Her, you know, the times, I guess. Well, like she said, she'd already, she already gone through it, right? And she was trying to keep you from undermining your, yeah. you know, your yeah. position, your position and where you were trying to go. It blows my mind. And she, she was the first woman probably to work in the field in Alaska. She was probably one of the first. And she was, um, she was from the originally from the UP and you know, and I don't, I don't even, she, she never told me the things she went through, but, um, for me to do that would have been a step back for us all, you Absolutely. know? And, um, and, but I still never got to go to the chain. Now you gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So why do you think that is like, why, 
why do you think it's been this way for so long? Is that, again, does it go back to being a generational thing? You know, like women, their places in the kitchen or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean 100%. Is, is, is that you know, what it boils some down to? Some of it to? is monetarily. Some of it has to do with money because I worked at another another large firm in, in Anchorage. And um, and the, the gentleman there flat out told me, you will not go out in the field because it will cost us more money. And it will cost us another hotel room. It'll mm, cost us. Interesting. You, you know, and, and, and the bottom line is those guys want to make money. And mm-hmm. so... At, at the time, I didn't take that personally either. But mm-hmm. in hindsight, I, I was like, that was really, really crappy. You know yeah. what I mean? Why do I never get to go in the field because I'm a female? That's mm. what kind of, on what planet is that fair? You know, because it's going to cost you all more money to buy another hotel room when otherwise you could stick two men in the same room. You know, um, I don't know. That That's just one so if you crazy. all have any other ideas I mean, like, it's, a, it's a form of suppression, really. I mean, it really is. I mean, I if you agree. think about it, it's like... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, and it always gets back to money on that end too, because if we're always stuck with either being either being teachers or whores, um, how dare you get a real job and make some real money and can actually buy some property and be independent, because then you're not you're not under somebody's thumb at that point. Mm. You know. So um yeah. but that's my two cents on feminism. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, I went too far, but no. no. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of, you know, a lot of the mainstream media back then, right? I mean, 50s, mm. 60s, 70s was yep. was pushing that kind of stuff. And so I don't think, you know, we're we're getting away from that to some degree now. But And I, I, I mean, I don't think it's just serving. I think it's like a oh, yeah, societal no. thing. Absolutely. You know, 100%. over the last like two to three years, let's say, it's like there's just been this huge movement, let's face yeah. it, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is great. It's just, man, oh, man, now we have to like make amends for all the mistakes we've made in the past and the way we've handled things. And again, we're not going to change overnight, but we got to, I don't say we got to put that behind us and move forward, you know, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, to a certain degree. Um, So, you know, uh, you know, I, I, again, the the future of the profession, I mean, it it definitely is not without its challenges and this, I guess, and we're going to talk about some, some bad things, but we're going to put a good spin on it. So, um, you know, we talk about these challenges all the time. Um, you know, uh, but the thing is, what are we going to do about it? You know, thinking outside the box, what more can we do? And bottom line is whose responsibility is it? And, you know, I I asked like you and Amanda to send, uh, you know, five or six Mm -hmm. things that you're most concerned about. So, and it's the same thing we talk about all the time. So I'm just going to blast through these real quick. Of course, public awareness, you know, I mean, we've, we've been horrible as a profession about promoting ourselves. Uh, so we're behind the eight ball there aging profession. Of course, you know, I mean, I continue to bring up the average age of a Mm -hmm. licensed land surveyor like every day, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mentorship, huge problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I sounds like the three of us have been very, very fortunate to have had great mentors, you know, throughout their professional career. Uh, Deregulation. It's a conversation that's being brought up more and more. Uh, You know, not having a national standard for licensure. That's a big one, I think. That's a big one. And that kind of ties into immediate gratification. You know, we touched on it earlier about it. You know, it takes too long to become a professional surveyor. And we mentioned the whole 10-year commitment. Well, you know, as far as the tenure commitment goes in that video that just surfaced, at mm-hmm. least for me anyways, when you guys shared it about that, you know, that guy in Florida talking about why he got out of surveying. Yeah, it was posted and March of 21. 20, oh, it was? Yeah. So it was recent. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not wrong in a lot of right. ways, some of the things he's talking about and the whole tenure commitment. Again, I think it's a generational thing. You know, I mean, you know, you know, folks coming out of college right now or high school or what have you. I mean, are they looking at like a tenure commitment? You know, and we you, you mentioned the 
example of like a, a, a female in, in Nashville, right? Mm-hmm. 10 year commitment. Well, mm-hmm. if she makes it through the 10 years, she's potentially making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's worth that commitment in a lot of ways. A doctor, an attorney, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year after that 10 year commitment. And Amanda, you mentioned it, you know, for surveyors to make a 10 year commitment and make a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand dollars whatever. I mean, is it really worth it? Do you want to put 10 years into that? Um, Again, we need to be elevating our worth. We need to be paid for what we're worth, I guess, is where I'm going with that. And I, I don't know how we change that, honestly. You know, in my opinion, I'm going on a rant now. There's two, there's two camps for surveyors. There's the professional surveyors, and quite frankly, there's like the non-professional surveyors. They're surveyors, they're licensed, mm-hmm. but they're really not professionals. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. And that, that's, that's where we get into that discussion about it's not, it's not the, it's not the surveyors in the professional camp. It's the surveyors in the non-professional camp that are like selling their services for pennies on the dollar, you know, just to, just to make ends meet basically, but they're bringing down the entire profession with them. I don't think you see that happening with architects and engineers and attorneys, if you want to go to that level. And Richard, my husband just pointed out to me this morning, that that's why the original um, land surveyor society was formed in Alaska in the fifties was because of that problem, because of the people that were given, the profession away and doing things for free and not being responsible. And so have we solved that problem? 70 years later? No, no, 70 years later. We're still doing it. (laughs) We're still talking about it. Right. What have we done? Oh my gosh. It's, it's like a microcosm of, uh, here I go. Um, like a lot of state organizations. okay? Okay. Um, like it's the same thing. A lot of these state organizations are talking today about things they were talking about 25 years ago and nothing gets done, you know, cause this, these, these organizations are like so bureaucratic and nothing ever gets done. It's so frustrating. But it goes to the legislative session though. I mean, we, we can maybe try to bring to the state boards our concerns, but then they get hung up in the legislative sessions and, mm-hmm. or, or finding that person to sponsor the bill or, mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of stuff. And I think that's where we're having some of the red tape. I mean, we're all passionate. Of course, you know, I, I jokingly say there's, you know, 10 people in every state that are super passionate and do the work mm-hmm. of all three or 400 people, right? And yep. so there's those 10 people. Um, you send out emails. You send out, you know, asking for input and everything's a bird chirp. And so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it always comes back to, well, it's the 10 people and it's only their voice but they forget about the emails that we always send to them. So, um, but again, some of that red tape gets stuck, I think mm-hmm. in the legislative sessions or finding the people to kind of support the bill. So it's, it's getting the relationships uh, on the government side, I think is in working with yeah. you know, the state associations, working closely with the state boards and then working closely with, you know, lobbyists that will get it introduced to, uh, to your state of legislative sessions. Sure. Sure. And the problem you know, is, and, go ahead. Go ahead no, I was just going to say, you know, the problem is, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, you got like 10 people doing 90% mm-hmm. of the work. Right. And that's like, I guarantee it's the exact same thing in pretty much every state. Sure. Um, but man, oh man, those 10 people get burnt out and we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, burnt out and angry and yeah. Frustrated. <laughs> and yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. So Amanda, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Um, now I forgot. <laughs> no. Um, but the, the problem sometimes, too, is like it, sometimes I feel it in SPS is I, I wonder what regular surveyors need from us, too. And are we meeting those goals? And, and that's something I would like to call out on your listeners, too. If um, I, they follow me at Amanda, the surveyor on Instagram, I would love to hear 
what surveyors need from their national organization because um, sometimes I, I just don't know sometimes if we're doing if we're doing what they need, you know, and that's 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 what I would like to hear from them about. I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk on that one. So I'll actually just, you know, kind of put it out there and say, respond to an email when somebody sends it to you. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I try to get a couple of NSPS. Uh, I asked Amanda and, and a few NSPS people to um, come on mentoring Mondays and talk about the CST program and to talk about Trickstar. Mm. Um, Amanda being a past board member on CST, she, you know, immediately responded, I'll do it. And never heard another word. Right. Um, on the Trigstar chairman, we've never, I've yet to hear a word back. So we'll start, <laughs> we'll start with responding yeah, to emails. Sure. Um, you know, some of you know my, uh, I wrote the, wrote, uh, wrote the article last fall and, and it published in uh, the Nevada Traverse. I'm the editor of the Nevada Traverse and mm-hmm. sent a few emails to um, NSPS to just get input on it. And um, it took, I think, three emails to get a response back and then, it was told, you know, it was kind of politely said, we hope, we wish you do not uh, run that article. And so, that's the one where you did like all the, all the, all the analytical yeah. data and yes. stuff like that. Yes. About Alarming the, information, by the way. Exactly. And I yeah. was asked, uh, they kind of, you know, politely said, we hope you don't run this article. We can't tell you not to, but yeah. we don't want you to run it. And so uh, that's, we'll start with those two. And I, you know, I, I was going to try to play the nice guy, but those two items for me are, are touching points. Like we're not getting the, the response back from the, from the national associations. Right. And so um, it goes back to what we talked about earlier about being uh, trying to push that national voice. And, and I was recently on uh, the NCES podcast, which hasn't released yet, but um, same type of situation in that it's uh, it's getting all the people in the room together to Mm -hmm. come up with that national Uh, and it was just talked about last week, right, with with Steve and, and uh, getting all the people in the room together to create a national uh, licensure. And so, those, yeah, for me, those are my first couple of uh, like sticking points on the for national sure. level. And I think that's uh, and CST. Are, if we want, yeah, sorry, those are a couple of good ones. But you know, use the CST as stepping stones into mm-hmm. the LSI or the FS, and then use it into a stepping stone into the PS. Let's work together from NSPS through NCES. It, the the CES or yeah the CST mm-hmm. exams will get you practicing how to take an exam no and yep. then lead it as a stepping stone into the FS and then lead it into a stepping stone into the PS. I totally agree. I mean, exactly. I'm a huge proponent mm-hmm. of the CST program. I 100%. think I think it, I think it's awesome. I think it could be awesomer. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, it could be gooder. It could be gooder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Better. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, Amanda, I'm sorry. What what else did you want to add to that? No, thank you, Trent, for sharing your concerns. And I, I'm sure that can be very frustrating, um, you know, especially when you don't feel like you're being heard. That's that's incredibly frustrating. And um, and I hope to take that back and um, and hopefully we can respond in you know, a better time. That's right. That's that's disappointing. <laughs> and here's my concern, honestly. I mean, and, and Trent is a, a very influential person when it comes to surveying. And if he is being, quote, suppressed I mean, with these guys like you know just like an everyday surveyor if they've got a concern and they send an email to nsps whatever you know they're not getting answered you know i right. mean i mean what the heck's going on there that's that's not right just go to the field crew uh, facebook forum yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. talk about that you'll, all day you'll hear it all there right exactly oh. 
Yeah, oh, no. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I think NSPS in a position, to, I, mean, the, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think they're kind of like at a precipice at this point, to be honest with you. I mean, we have a lot of serious concerns. And if these things are not addressed and addressed properly, I don't know what the future of the profession is going to hold. I have no idea. You know, I mean, I might have 10 years in me. I don't know what it's going to be. Hopefully the profession is still um, needed 10 years from now. Um, but the talk of like deregulation and stuff, here, I'm not patting myself on the back, but there was talk of deregulation for surveyors in Arizona, oh, two years ago, right? And, and the surveyors in Arizona have like no voice whatsoever, basically. So, I mean, like, I went to meetings with the engineers and the architects and their boards um, to basically ride their coattails so that, you know, the surveyor voice could be heard, but it was through their organizations. And I mean, thankfully, you know, surveyors didn't get deregulated, of course. I think they, they did deregulate like the geologists. Um, but those conversations. Landscape architects. Yeah, right. and landscape architects. And, but yeah. those conversations aren't done. I mean, they are no. going to continue to happen. And if, I mean, I personally think that NSPS needs to be more involved in those conversations. Like if that topic comes up in any state, NSPS needs to be, jump and like have a representative there or something, whatever. I don't know what it yeah. takes, but as a national organization, I just think nation, that NSPS needs to represent the, uh, the everyday surveyor a little bit better. We all get the news and views, uh, emails, right. And, and there's, there's things working behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. it, uh, we definitely, you know, in, in that relationship that, um, is being created with NSPS and NCES and trying mm-hmm. to find, yeah. create that score initiative, create that marketing effort. It, um, you know, again, we talked about it on the the, the NCS podcast. They've been around for a hundred years, and we're still just like we talked about earlier. Yeah. We're still fighting the same thing from a hundred years ago that NCS right. is doing, and so it's we got to stop kicking the ball down the yeah. down the road and get in a room together and start to really strategic plan and what what's going to happen. And yep. it's not going to change in, in a five year plan. It's got to be a ten year or fifteen mm-hmm. year or twenty year plan. But there's got to be a plan. There has first to be foremost. a plan. I mean, we got to get to that point first. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'll take it one step further. I mean, these unity, unifying and collaboration. I mean, those are things that we need to be focused on sure. as a profession. And we could even take it one step further. And you mentioned, you know, Steve Slesser from the last, yeah. uh, last podcast, we had some off air conversation with him and there are some opportunities for like some global collaboration Correct. because the issues that we experience here are not uncommon. I mean, it's, it's a, it's like a global pandemic to sure. be honest with you, as far sure. as profession goes, everything that I just mentioned earlier about public awareness being a problem, aging profession, it's not just in the States. No. It's everywhere. Yep. And then, you know, and then that's something we've created with the Mentoring Mondays, right? You have that nationwide um, Zoom meeting that we have, and, and uh, it's great to have people from, from Maine to San Diego and Orlando to Alaska. So yep. uh, we've got the whole four corners covered. and For it, sure. It uh, creates that great conversation. And, and embracing what one another are doing, you know, that's mm-hmm. what I love about, you know, you guys. You, you've embraced each other, and, and you lift each other up, and we... And, um, and I, I love that, that when there's that co- kind of camaraderie and, you know, um, it, this is not a competition on who can do the most or be the best or, no. you know, it's, it's just not, we all are in this together and one organization cannot do it at all. We have got to help one another. And, and, and one that's server. what I would like to see more of too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so. one's one surveyor can't do it together. Right. I, I mean, I've talked about it, having, having a Rolodex of surveyors who, when a client calls you, you can't get the job done. You, you need to. You need to help them and, For sure. and have a Rolodex of friends that you can pass on and say, I can't get to it, but here's three other names that hopefully can get to you. And yep. if those three can't, call me back and I'll give you three more, right? And it's it's having <laughs> that network. It's that national network. Um, and, and even from uh, 
from the Mentoring Mondays. I, I had a client who is a friend of mine out of Reno. He needed some stuff in North Carolina. Mm. So on an email I'm in the chat, I'm like, who can, you know, who's, who's got a firm in North Carolina that can help one of my clients. And so yep. it's creating that national network that we can help our clients yep. who are in turn going to create a better, um, you know, outlook and, and, uh, yeah, I guess for the profession, for and, sure. And anybody out there who's afraid to do that, um, yeah. it's going to come back to you tenfold. Trust 100%. me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the whole give to get thing. I mean, I, I know Trent lives by that. I live, I live by that. Yes. And if more people would live by that, I mean, it works. 100%. <laughs> it works. 100%. Oh man. So we backed Amanda into the corner. Ooh, sorry. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, well, you, you got anything else to add to that part of the conversation, Amanda? You know, um, I, I will I will say that NSPS is probably in a in a phase of transition. Um, Kurt Sumner is retiring soon. Um, we don't know exactly when that is, but um, that that will be a huge loss to to the profession when um, when he goes. Um, he has he has devoted his life to the to that organization. Um, and and there's there's growing pains with any organization. I'm 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 not here to defend or or say they do things perfectly all the time because absolutely not. None of us do, but, um, but there, there are good people over there at that organization that care a lot. And, um, and, um, and hopefully as, um, as we travel through this with Kurt and his retirement, um, there, there'll, there'll be somebody else that can kind of fill those shoes. And, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing who that might be, you know? So I think there's, I think there's a lot of people with a lot of enthusiasm out there and that, it'll be competitive. <laughs> I hope that it'll be competitive for that position. And, um, and we're all looking forward, um, to, to seeing where this, where it goes with the national organization. And, 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 and I hope that, um, I hope that we are doing some good, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not perfect by any means and I'm not, I'm not the only representative there, but, um, but there, there are good things that happen for sure. Well, and just recently celebrated 40 years, right? I think it was May 2nd, yes. right? So just yes. 40 years yeah. into it and, uh, and we still, you know, we still have learning curves and that's, wow. and, and that's just the, that's what happens when you have a changing of the guard. Literally, you know, every 12 or 24 months, you have different personalities mm -hmm. that are going to want to run their ship that way. And it goes back to the conversation we just had. It's not, it's not a competitive thing. It needs to be collaborative. Yeah. And work together no about as a hundred percent team. So For sure. that's yeah. uh changing of the guards. Uh, you know, Kurt is, uh, is going to be sorely, sorely missed and, uh, <laughs> we wish him nothing but the best, but, um, you know, hopefully in its replacement, we pick up, uh, some young energetic, um, person that's going to kind of carry the torch that Kurt, uh, has been pushing for so long. So, yep. Outside of being young, uh, can't grow 2022. Can't grow 2022. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I, I don't fit. I don't fit the young category, um, but outside of that, but you're on the lower end. Yeah, the lower exactly. end yeah, of yeah, the yeah, spectrum. Yeah. I, I just raised the average age last week. Yeah. We're, we're not on self promotion. Same with self promotion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your podcast, so you can do what That's you want. Exactly. Exactly. Sound like a shameless plug to me. Don't yeah, get used to. No, I think I, I got a, I got a running mate over here to my right. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Really good conversation. Um, what keeps you motivated, Amanda? I mean, what are you most excited about? Um, health insurance. <laughs> you got me to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 40. I need health insurance. No, um, actually that's not, not, 
that's not too far from the truth because <laughs> in 2008, my husband and I both were running our own companies. And, um, oh, yeah. and after Obamacare hit, we, we couldn't afford to have health insurance for ourselves, let alone our employees. And so, um, he was getting sick. My husband was mm. getting ill. And I was like, I got to find a job. I got to get some health insurance, you know, and we had a big company in Alaska, but I, I actually mm. took a pretty low pay scale. I took a pretty low in job at the state of Alaska at the DOT just so we'd have health insurance. Wow. And, um, and then that kind of motivated my work at the Corps of Engineers as well, because you cannot beat federal health insurance. And, and thank God I did because it, it saved his life. So oh. <laughs> Yeah, all kidding aside, health insurance. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be something more than that, though. Come on. Oh, there is. There's there's got to be kids. There's got to be work. I I I think I love the work still. I still love I love the problem solving. Um, somebody told me the other day, you're a giant puzzle solver. Solver. Yeah. And I was like, it's true. Aren't I? One hundred. And I think when people, when friends and acquaintances to me, you know, come to me and they, they tell me their problems and they have this thing going on and I'm like, and then they're like, how did you do that so quickly? And I'm like, that's what I do for a living. I fix things. You know what I mean? I put things back. I, I give them to you whole, I put them back together, you know, as far as the engineering or the boundary stuff or any of it, it's one big puzzle. And, and to be able to help that, that is really what, is mm. great because working with great engineers that like your help, <laughs> that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You touched on something there that I was just putting some thought into, and that is like how gratifying this, you know, being a surveyor is. And, you know, I, I know like the younger generations are looking for that Im- immediate gratification, I mm-hmm. guess, when mm-hmm. it comes to it. But I mean, if you're, if you're a surveyor and you take it seriously and you're a professional, it's gratifying every day. Like I literally, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I'm gratified every single day and I, I love solving problems mm-hmm. and it may, may not be a survey problem. It might be a personnel problem, it might sure. be a managing problem, sure. whatever, but you are constantly solving problems. And if you get off on that, it's a fantastic profession. So two things, yeah. for, two things yeah. for me, one is, uh, as a, as a surveyor, you're protecting someone's biggest asset, right? Whether yep. it's, whether it's their mm-hmm. personal property mm-hmm. or it's, a, it's an industrial complex that's worth millions of dollars. You're protecting somebody's portfolio yep. or, or their largest asset that they're ever going to own. Um, and so that for me is one of the best ones. And then for me, from the side point as a business owner, mm. the, be, the best thing for me is, is, uh, when one of my employees goes and buys a house. Mm. That's the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. you know you're taking care mm-hmm. of them. You've yep. provided them a career, um, and you're paying them well enough that uh, that they can afford a house. And so for me, uh, you know, mm. every year we have two or three employees um, that continue to buy houses. Yeah. And so for me, that the best thing in the world yep. that what motivates me is taking <laughs> care of the employees and allowing them to buy a house. That's, that's awesome, right? And that's crazy. There was a yeah. great TED talk about this along these lines, and mm. um, and my husband found it, and she was from Denmark. And she talked about the way to change people's lives in really, really struggling countries, really, you know, third world countries is to get a land tenure system and to get surveyors because without a survey and without a piece of property and without something to protect somewhere to grow, somewhere to have a home, somewhere to do all these things. And then eventually, you know, the land tenure to, to tax it. You will never get people out of abject poverty without it. Oh, wow. And I yeah. think that's why we're so appreciated in um, third world countries. Our, um, it's, it's the other, the, only, the one survey I did that was probably the most gratifying was a woman in, in Gila, New Mexico. I'm so glad you knew how to pronounce Gila 
Um, she had lucky, gotten lucky from guess. her husband. <laughs> he googled <laughs> it. He googled it. Let's be real. <laughs> who was an attorney, and she got eleven. She got two acres in the divorce, and mm. it was like a thirteen-acre parcel. Nobody would return her phone call because she was a poor woman, and she probably had no damn money. And so, no surveyors would return her phone call. She was dating one of my drunk uncles. <laughs> And my drunk uncle, Charlie. You got one of those too? Oh, Amanda. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Amanda. She'll survey it for you. And so, of course, Amanda shows up. And this this woman is bawling. She lives out in her little camper trailer out there in the middle of nowhere on the river there. And she just wants her one acre. And so... um, so I'm like, I'm like, okay, she goes and makes me tea and she like makes me breakfast and does all this stuff. She goes out and digs up the can with the cash her daughter sent her so she can get her wow. one acre from her divorce. And without a surveyor, she was never going to get her one acre. And um, Don Edgington and I did it. And in her divorce, it actually said she got two acres. And we were, I was like, dude, you get two acres. We need to find two acres for you. And she was like, I just want one. And so it was really... I mean, that was probably, that's probably the most powerful survey I've ever done because she had her one acre, you know what I mean? And I, I, I don't even know if she's still alive or anything, but she hugged me and I don't think she'll probably ever forget that I showed up and got her her acre. <laughs> wow. So. And, and I'm such a softie. I would have done it for free. I'm sure you would have. <laughs> so, but, 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 I did too, Trent. There you don't go. Worry. Good. I, Perfect. I, she Those put her money stories. back in her can. I <laughs> yeah, love it. I love it. I, I, I want to keep that rolling. pro bono. Yeah, Perfect. for sure. I want to keep that rolling because I've got a really good survey gratification story I want to share. But Trent, Perfect. I'm sure you've got one. What do you got? Uh, no, I, I so um, I mean, I do I do a lot. I do uh, part of the article that was just written. You know, girl mm-hmm. and girl in STEM. I mm-hmm. I've donated all of the surveying and everything that I could possibly do for. Um, and then obviously, um, uh, Ryan's company, Leo's uh, Aerotech Mapping, had done donated all the uh, aerial from. Uh, mm. topographic survey as well. Mm-hmm. And we did all the boundary survey, but um, I'm huge with the Girl Scouts. And so they, they were donated a massive uh, bed and breakfast outside of uh, Las Vegas. I did all the work for them, did all the parcel map for me. I do all that kind of stuff pro bono. Yeah. Um, we've done some stuff for the Boy Scouts. I've done pro bono. And then we had a, um, a Metro officer that was killed in Las Vegas. And uh, mm. the mm. husband wanted to create a camp for, uh, underprivileged. And so she was on the radio, happened to be on the radio one day and you know, you never know who's listening. Right. And yep. so happened to be on the radio one day promoting her golf tournament to, uh, to raise funds for the camp. And of course I got a hold of her really quick and then donated all of that kind of yeah. stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll, I'm anything, that kind of stuff I'll, I'll do all day long. So. Paying it forward. Uh, every, 100% chance get, paying forward. every chance you get. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's my story. So I, I started, uh, well, myself and, uh, Chris McDonald started, uh, a secondary professional organization in Arizona about six years ago called United Surveyors of Arizona. And we've grown it to about, I don't know, 150 members, 13 corporate sponsors, blah, blah, blah. But one of the beauties of this is, gosh, a couple of years ago, we were contacted by a local organization that needed a survey for, uh, a cemetery for homeless people. Mm. Like when a homeless person dies, mm-hmm. there's no next of kin, blah, blah, blah. So we did a pro bono survey for the, the cemetery and staked out the, you know, the plots and everything like that. But man, talk about gratification. Mm. And then we just recently had a, uh, a surveyor, or not a surveyor, an officer killed, um, a ch- uh, Chandler officer, yeah, Chandler officer. And the organization, I mean, fortunately, because we've built it to what we built it to, you know, we were able to make a sizable donation to the 100 Club mm-hmm. in his honor, you know, and it's just being able to do mm-hmm. stuff like that. That, um, in the name of surveyors, yeah, absolutely. Um, again, 
gratification. That's something I never really thought about until until just we've had this conversation this evening. Is that serving is such a gratifying mm-hmm. career? One hundred percent, really is. No question. All right, Amanda. Um, let's see what else we got. I guess we're to the mantra question. Do you have a mantra that you live by? This is a big shoot question. I should have let Trent ask it, I suppose. But uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? I couldn't ask it. It was only like four words long. So <laughs> shoots only gives me the long ones I have to talk about. <laughs> I think probably the, the cliche, just work hard, play hard. I think that's why serving Love always it. appealed to me. Yep. Because, um, you know, growing up in remote New Mexico, um, working with i that i almost picked that hippies and cowboys song have you heard that yeah, one yeah i have yep yeah i like that one mm-hmm. because i think um i think growing up that way we worked and worked and worked and then on the weekend you worked at the ranch or you worked at the farm and then on saturday night you, you let go you know what i mean and you had yeah. a good time and and that's why sister golden hair um appeals to me too because it talks about sunday and trying to get your life together on a sunday you know and then not quite doing it on monday but um i think that that's really it and it was the same way when i was in alaska working for the blm we worked six tens and um and come saturday if we were near a town (laughs) we would go have a good time you know and the the camaraderie and the, Mm. the hard work and the pride is um is all tied together for me and um i think that's what's so appealing about the, the whole serving profession. So. No, no doubt. It's so funny you mentioned the like the the lyrics to the song Sister Golden Hair. I never really paid much attention to it, to be honest with you. But today I actually read the lyrics. I'm like, hmm, I can kind of see why she picked that song. Yeah, actually. And I, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, along those same lines, I just yeah. uh, recently the Matthew McConaughey book called Green Lights. Right, one of his one of his uh, little quotes in there, and he calls them bumper stickers or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's uh, <laughs> along those same lines. It's called Earn Your Saturdays. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Basically, work your ass off Monday through Friday to earn your Saturdays. Yeah. So I can't uh, remember the quote that I just sent you not too long ago. It was Matthew McConaughey one, remember? Yeah, yeah. I sent it to you. I'm like, dude, this is freaking amazing. Yeah. And you're like, this is Matthew McConaughey. I'm like, yes, how the frick did you know that? <laughs> it was, uh, He's think, got some great stuff. Yeah, oh, it, it, oh gre- my God. Green, if read that book. Did you it, like it? Oh, it was great. It, uh, it just, I've been on a huge audio kick, and so mm. um, that would be you know, another one of uh, things that maybe the national level could work on, right? NSPS or even NSCS or NCES work with, work with the publishers. Let's get these books. Let's get these surveying books out as an audio book, right? I mean, that's a totally different, oh, it's, great a, it's, idea. A, it, it's a new learning uh, mm-hmm. platform that needs to be, that needs to be put together. And so if we can work with these publishers and get these uh, audio books out, I mean, it's, it's only going to help, uh, you know, boundary control and principles or some of these, you know, ones that are just Bibles to the survey profession. If we can get those out on audio books, um, let's, let's start there. Great so, idea. Yeah. Great yeah. Idea. yeah. For sure. Uh, first yeah. we got to earn our Saturdays. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> earn your Saturdays. That's my new mantra. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a good one. I loved it. So he's full yeah. of, uh, he's what he calls bumper stickers in that book. So yeah. listen to it on audio. It's, I'm going uh, to for sure. It's a, uh, it, is anybody getting paid by Matthew McConaughey for this? No, no, sorry. That's, what's that? Sweet plug? Don't get used to it. Uh, producer Jake is. <laughs> <laughs> We're good buddies. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's worth listening to, uh, worth listening to or reading whatever, you know, whatever you're case may be so yeah and he's got some great videos on youtube as well yeah of his of his talks mm. and everything yeah um who knew he was such an inspirational uh, force but he really is he's been journaling mm-hmm. for over 35 years Has since he, he really since he was 15 years wow. old and it's uh, it's a phenomenal and that's basically yeah. he went through all of his journals and basically come up with the first 50 years of his life wow. and that's what that green lights book is about so amazing uh, it's uh it's worth it i Great. I recommend it. Amazing. So the other thing I wanted to talk about just um, to throw out there too is, um, is finding your people in surveying because um, 
I had a long talk with the guy from Walla Walla Cellars. He's the he runs the college here. Um, it's a world class winery and school for for people that are going to be winemakers. Anyway, he talked to me about um, he he can spot the people he wants in his program and the people he doesn't want because um, his is a very working class program. There there's there's wine people and then there's wine people, and so he he's on the working side of the wine people that you're going to go out get out get out in the field and you're going to cut some vines and you're going to get dirty you know this isn't just a tasting room kind of class and and his point was that you need to find your people and you need to hang out with those people and then you need to embrace those people and when the wrong person comes in the room you don't have to be mad at that person but their people aren't there you know what i mean Mm. and and i've i've found that to be so true in land surveying because when you're at the wrong company or you're in the wrong room or you're in the wrong group of people it will be painful (laughs) It will be incredibly painful mm. and um yep. and that is okay not to fit in somewhere and i don't think we do that enough as companies is really really think about the people we're hiring or as individuals where we're going to go to work if we fit in there or not because um because otherwise it's going to be a painful experience coming or going you know for for somebody yeah. and um and i think that's important in this life is to figure out where you fit in and 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 to call those your people and to stick with them. <laughs> so. so true. I was going to say, there's one of the things we recently talked about on mentoring Mondays is in an interview, you know, basically find a company culture that fits you. Right. And so it's finding the company culture or finding the leadership that's going to fit you. Those are the questions that you need to ask in your interview when you're sitting on the other side of the table and ask about what, you know, what you do for your employees or what you do for your f- employees, families, or in that kind of stuff, right? And find that company culture that's going to fit you. Everybody's looking for a body. We get it, uh, you know, and I, I hate the word jumping ship, but sometimes there's there's a better fit for, for you at a different company, just like you talked about, Amanda. So Yeah, no question. Yeah. But it goes back for- And employees really have a lot of power now to decide that, <laughs> yeah, you know. But, um, question. but and, um, yeah. an employer or such as myself- needs to create the company culture that someone will not leave. And so, mm. um, you know, I've, I've talked about it a few times that we, we have 80% of our employees, 27 employees and 80% of our employees are over five years. Right. So there's something, there's something about you our company some, culture, something right. There's no something doubt. about yep. our company culture. That's, that's yep. correct. And they're so, not going to leave for a buck. Right. You know, they're like, like, no, I got it too I, good. I got it too good here. Yeah. For sure. And that's what, that's what employers got to do better because there's Absolutely. so many people jumping ship because there's headhunters and there's, Correct. I mean, we're getting paid so much money. Um, it's, I, I've seen guys on the private side right now trying to get in, into the government though, because, um, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure cooker sure. environment on the private side. And then I'm kind of on the government side now thinking, well, maybe I want to go back to the private, you know, I miss Patagonia jackets and, mm. you know, long lunches and, but then, um, it's, it's a lot to consider. Yeah, yeah. 100%. For yeah. sure. It's So I, I'm going to stake my claim right now. Go PJ, Amanda, TK, you guys are my people. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Sorry, Shoots. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> well, Shoots is my people. He knows that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to wind it down here just a little bit. Uh, Trent's got to catch a flight. Um, I got to get home to my wife. <laughs> PJ's got to get to uh, Chick-fil-A. Got a lot, a lot going on here. Uh, so uh, Amanda, I mean, we've pretty much covered, I mean, we, there's a lot of things that we could talk about for hours, no doubt, but I've pretty much, you know, at least touched on the things that I wanted to touch on. Is there anything else that maybe we haven't talked about that you want to get out there? Um, 
no, I think I think we got to everything. Um, thank you guys for having me on. It's been it's been refreshing. It's been a good time. I I always appreciate people that don't mind hearing the truth. <laughs> so sometimes if I if I get too passionate or make people uncomfortable, um, that's those aren't my people. <laughs> so take, um, take charge and, and don't. Thanks admit, for having me. Take charge and don't apologize for it. Absolutely. And what's I just saw a tattoo when you uh, is there a tattoo on your arm? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a spork. A spork. All right, we gotta we gotta find out about that. I'm sorry, spork. I just saw it. I just saw it, but now it's a spork, and I really gotta find the meaning behind a spork. That's a story for another day. All right, all right. So we'll have another. Right. We'll have a drink in Vegas, and I'll tell you all about it. All right, oh, all right. There I look forward go. to that for sure. All right, all right, perfect. Um, no, thank you, Amanda, for being here, and for I mean, not being afraid to show your emotions and stuff like that. I mean, kudos to you for that. Um, you know. PJ says it all the time. Our guests that are passionate and or, or, you know, are willing to show their passion about things. I mean, those are the best guests. So, um, no doubt about it. Another, uh, another great episode. Um, value adding friend making of 100%. course, no question. Uh, Trent, thanks for, thanks for being here, man. No, thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for love to have you guys back another yeah. time for sure. Yeah. All right. Be sure to check us out at the geoholics.com. Follow us on all previously mentioned social media outlets by searching for the geoholics download not only all of our podcasts from almost everywhere, but also the Geoholics app from Land Surveyors United. Send us an email at info at the If you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show, we would love to hear from you. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program like TK and Diamondback Land Survey. Every chance you get, be sure to mention that you are a Geoholic for the VIP experience. 50% off all surveyors, all, all surveys at Diamondback Land Surveying, sure. one week only. Uh, <laughs> Ends pay, on Sunday. Pay it forward <laughs> at Value Make Friends America. Sister Golden Hair available everywhere. Until next time, everybody, be safe and healthy. <laughs>